Okay, let's uh, take our Bibles and uh, we'll turn to, let me see, we'll turn to Jeremiah chapter number 16. Jeremiah chapter number 16. Uh, I realize our uh, reading before uh, was from 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And it wasn't a very long reading, three to six. So that was a, that was a short one. We'll refer back to that in just a moment. But I uh, just want to... Uh, look at some other things uh, before we refer back to that. Uh, it's been a blessing to be here. Uh, I always enjoy uh, being uh, home amongst my brethren. Uh, I just in, uh, I really enjoy Australian accents. Um, I have one, but I, I enjoy hearing them. Um, and just the way that we are and the uniqueness of Australia. Uh, I, I wouldn't like to be in Australia and not know Jesus. I don't think that would be a good place to be. Uh, the world, it's, our, our country is getting pretty messed up. And uh, I reckon if you didn't know the Lord, you, 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 know, you don't have any clear direction of which way to go. You don't know what's right, what's wrong. You're really just swept along with all the other fish in the stream. And uh, I wouldn't want to be here unsaved. I, I, truthfully, I think our nation is heading to judgment. I, I really do. I... Uh, I, I think most of us have a hard time remembering when we last had a national leader. Uh, we've got politicians, but there's just a dearth, an absence of leadership wherever you look. Uh, and some of the alternatives, frankly, are scary. Some of the people who are offering themselves up to be the next leader of our country. What is apparent is they haven't got a clue about direction. Uh, you know, the, 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 one of the things the Western world has never understood... Uh, and it's done this in cycles over and over again, is that God blesses nations that uh, base themselves on what we call judo-Christian ethics, Christian principles, even when not everybody's a Christian, but when there's a certain respect for God, when there's a certain uh, respect for what is right, when there's a basic morality, uh, when people have a basic character values, uh, when those things are there, nations get blessed, and Australia has had a blessed history. We really are a blessed country. Uh, but what we found out is that now we have all our prosperity. You know, we, all, we have things now that our parents could never have had. You know, we, 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 I remember when my grandfather finally got a colour TV. And, uh, and I remember just the big deal that was. And everybody looked green, by the way. Uh, just everything looked green. I think the green was up too high. But um, and I remember it was, uh, I think it was a rank arena and uh, it had four big legs and, uh, and the whole family, my, you know, my grandfather had six kids and they were all married. I was one of the grandkids. Everybody was gathered around watching that. And I think he hocked himself into debt to get that and uh, he paid it off uh, for a long time. And it was just such a big deal, you know, and, and he lived in a rented house. And there are just things that, that we now have in just abundant measure. Uh, so we, what we've discovered is we have our prosperity. You know, we, 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 and I'm not saying everybody's rich, but, but our standard of living is very high compared to most of the world. But I've never heard people whinge as much as they're whinging today. Nobody's happy. No, no, nobody, feels, nobody feels grateful. Everybody feels like somehow they're being cheated, defrauded, they're owed more. Um, you know, they haven't got enough rights for this or that. And, and there's just a surge of discontentment all across the country and nobody has any answers. 
And, uh, and uh, when, you, when you rip away the morality, when you take the character out of a country, you can have all the prosperity, but you just collapse from within. Uh, and you don't realise that what we actually built on uh, was, uh, was those values that we, uh, that we held dear. Those values are uh, mostly gone now uh, in Australia. Um, and there's a strong, there's a very strong sentiment against anything that is aligned with God uh, in the nation. But, you know, having said that, if I was going to be a Christian somewhere, I'm glad to be in Australia. Uh, I, I, I like the way that we, uh, we go about church. Uh, I, I get to preach in a lot of churches in America, big ones and smaller ones, and I get to see a lot of things and get to be in a lot of churches in other places around the world. But, but uh, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that we are who we are. Don't say we're perfect. I don't say we... But I'm just thankful. What we do have, we still value as a church authenticity. Uh, we still put more emphasis on substance than, you know, froth and bubble. And, uh, and that's, that's a good thing to have. Uh, in our country, in our churches, and I'm grateful for, for our church here. Certainly God has been good to us over uh, 30 years, I suppose. Mm. Yep. God's been good to us and uh, thankful we have a place to come. And uh, we, we don't ever have to wonder if pastor's going to get in the pulpit and open the Bible. We know he is. We know he is. Uh, we don't have to wonder if he's just going to opinionate or if today's message will be brought to us in drama. Uh, we, we know that uh, he's going to open the Bible, he's going to read. And, and, uh, and I'm not you know, wanting to be critical, but I'm just wanting to be thankful for, for what God has. And I, I hope we'll be preserved up until the rapture. I hope the day we're empty is the day we're gone. And if you turn up on that day when we're all gone, sorry, you should have listened. All right, so, so, so now's your, your chance. All right, so we're going to just read a few things here. Uh, this is one of these messages where I'm going to give you, you know, three, three fairly simple things, but I, I, it's really something I think when you hear it, you'll, you'll reflect on maybe, you know, a lot of scripture rather than just, but I'll just want to read some as an example, and hopefully it'll make sense as we get along. Uh, Jeremiah, um, I'm in Isaiah, so that's, that's, not, that's not going to help. We are going to go there. But I've gone there too early. Uh, did I, say, I did say Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah chapter 16, verse number 1. The word of the Lord came also unto me, saying, thou, this is to Jeremiah, Thou shalt not take thee a wife, uh, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. Uh, verse number 8. Thou shalt not also go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and to drink. So God says to Jeremiah, who Jeremiah is a prophet, God says to Jeremiah, uh, you know, uh, you can't be like everybody else. It's part of your calling. And uh, so, no wife. Well, everybody has a wife, I know. But not you. No children. By the way, you can't go up to the house of uh, feasting and rejoicing. That would be that not you. Be inappropriate. That would have made Jeremiah a little strange. That would have made Jeremiah seem a little odd. Because the normal progression of life, particularly in this culture, 
is that you grow up, and I see it where I come from or where I, where I work, is the, the aspiration of uh, young men and young women is to get married. And uh, that's kind of an expected thing. That's what you do. It's life. And uh, to be in a culture like this where you're not married and you're not to have any children, and, you know, your children are your, your offspring, your, 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 your future, to not have any children, and not only that, to not allow to be happy and, uh, and, and be carefree and frivolous, you're not allowed to be that. That would have made Jeremiah the prophet a bit odd. All right, so enough of that. Uh, Isaiah, chapter number 20, and uh, we're going to just read a couple of verses there. Now, we will be thinking about prophets, and uh, we're going to be looking at something that pertained to the prophets. Uh, we're in the Old Testament, but I want to remind you that uh, prophets did not cease to be when we went into the church age or the New Testament. All right, so Ephesians 4 tells us that God gave, amongst a list of other things, including evangelists, pastors, teachers, and we're all okay with that, but, but in that list is also prophets. So prophets uh, are not they're, not, they're not like they're no longer here. But I want to qualify it by saying a prophet today would be different to a prophet in the Old Testament. A prophet in the Old Testament was mostly about the business of foretelling. And he would, he would speak things of the future uh, and, and tell things of the future. And they came to be so. Uh, a prophet in the New Testament, I don't think, well, I'm, I'm sure they don't do that, but, what, but they're in a different category. They're not just a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. It's got its own category. And uh, I don't think they're everywhere. And, uh, and perhaps it's a discussion for another time how you might try to define one. Certainly they, they foretell the Word of God. They have the anointing of God on them. And they give out the Word of God uh, and, uh, under the, uh, the anointing and the leading of God. Uh, I think I know some. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think you know some. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're every pastor, every teacher, every evangelist. I don't think that. Uh, but there's some. Uh, I, I think I know one uh, who's in a whole different movement. I think I know one who's Pentecostal. And, uh, and I, think, I think he's one. And uh, he's not in our group, and he would probably believe maybe 85, maybe 90% of what we believe, but he'd believe some other things as well. But uh, my, I believe he's, he's probably in that category. I think he's a prophet. I think he's had that anointing on him. And, uh, and uh, you know, so uh, that's in that group. It doesn't surprise me that God would put, put one there. Uh, but I also think there are some others around. So I just want you to understand that this is not something that just ceased to be in the Old Testament. Okay? So unless you want me to turn to Ephesians and reread it for you, but believe me, it's there, all right? And, uh, and uh, it tells us that this is something God gifts to the body of Christ. So it's definitely New Testament. It's definitely our time. Uh, but they're not everywhere, but, but they, are, they are around. They don't, they don't speak forth the future, although maybe curiously they sort of might sometimes, but not in the way that you did it in the Old Testament. Certainly not like that. All right? So, so they're around, and, uh, and I think they recognize each other. Uh, the prophets, I think the prophets have a certain spirit in them that they recognize when they're around another. Okay, so is that a little bit, but that's, that this sort of is what it is, all right? So Isaiah chapter number 20, and I want you to see, so we talked about Jeremiah and something, some things that were put on him, 
Uh, verse number 2 of Isaiah chapter 20. At the same time spake the Lord by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from off thy loins, and put off thy shoe from thy foot. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. So I have that underlined in my Bible, because that's odd. I mean, that's, that, what does that mean? Sort of what it just said. Okay, and then uh, verse number three, and the Lord said, just in case we didn't get it, like as my servant Isaiah hath walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign, and you can read on and I won't, because I want to focus on the prophet more than but you'll see that he was asked to do that uh, because it was, it was a sign of something else. So Jeremiah is a little bit unusual. Uh, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, we call him the weeping prophet. He's not, he's not rejoicing. He's not happy. Uh, you're probably not going to go and hang around Jeremiah if you feel like a good laugh. You know, that's probably the wrong guy. Uh, but he's, he's absolutely the man of God, the prophet of God. Uh, uh, Somebody just walked past your window naked and uh, you say to your wife, did you just see what I just saw? I think so. Don't tell me that was, I think so. Did you notice that he was naked? I did. And he has no shoes on also. Okay. And that's, uh, that's uh, Isaiah. And uh, this wasn't a streak in the night. This was uh, three years. So, so it's a little bit unusual, but it did come from God. It wasn't, wasn't Isaiah's idea. You know, I got a good way to get their attention. I was thinking we could get a bubble and a smoke machine and I'd go naked. You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. Uh, you know, he, and can you imagine, particularly in the day, uh, this, this, came, this came from the Lord. Okay, so uh, one more and then uh, the, uh, the application. Ezekiel chapter number four. Ezekiel chapter 4, and then I want to give you an application here. And I guess uh, if we're tying this into missions, and really uh, what I want to say is that missions, missions is certainly about a message. Missions is about the gospel. Uh, it's the message God would have us to preach. But, but missions is also uh, about a man with a message. Because God doesn't send angels to preach the gospel. So the message goes with a man and, uh, and you don't get one without the other. So, so God sends people to places to preach the gospel, but it is people who preach it. The man comes with the message and uh, God uses men to, to preach the gospel. And uh, sometimes God uses unusual men, unusual men. And uh, you may not know that if you just maybe heard them speak at a missions conference or, you know, you just, you just short, spent a short period of time with them, you might think that they're relatively normal. But uh, it's surprising when you actually get out on the field and uh, you get around the people who often have a real anointing of God on them uh, and evidenced by the fruit that's being produced by the Holy Spirit, evidenced by their ministry. And a lot of those people are... They're a little bit unusual. They're a little bit unusual. You know, we have this idea in our head that all the Bible people would like us. You know, they'd all like you. Peter would like you. John the Baptist would like you. 
Uh, you, you, and we have this idea because we create them in our own mind that they were all just like us. But, but truthfully, if you got around a lot of these people, some of them may not have liked you. I mean, I don't think they would have been ungodly because that's, they were godly. But, but I'm just saying you may not have warmed to their personality. You may not have voted them in as the guy you want to be the head of your local church or the, the, under the shepherd. You, may, you, you mightn't have appreciated their personality. But it, it's, a, it's a grave mistake to use personality as an evaluation of someone's godliness. That, and, and we typically do that today. We need to understand the local church is not in the hospitality industry. All right? So if you're in hospitality and you check into the hotel and you don't like the way the front desk spoke to you, you can get upset about that because they're trained to be friendly and nice, maybe fake, but they're trained to be that way to everybody. But, but that's not the local church. But can you see that we project that onto the church sometimes? Can you see that what we want, we, we, want, we want leaders who, who we like and who like us and we want, to, we want to like their personality. But often God gives us people who are just a bit unusual. Uh, what we should be doing is maybe just evaluating the hand of God on them and their fruitfulness. Much, much, many people uh, stumble over personality. And uh, we stumble over it because it affects our feelings. You know, there are some people we like more than others. We call them our friends. They're the people that we like to be with and hopefully they like to be with us. But there are other people, we don't hate them and we don't don't despise them, but we just don't warm to them in a natural way. They just, their personality, their manner, the way they do some things is maybe just not exactly us. And the danger of that is that that you can take that to a level where it becomes, uh, you expunge God from it and you start evaluating people based on their personality. And I'm going to just tell you that mature Christians shouldn't do that. Mature Christians should understand that there is a, gr- a lot of difference in people's personalities and just their manner, but that's not, that's not the big deal. That's not, uh, that's not the thing that we should be stumbling over. Now, uh, Ezekiel, so, so we looked at Jeremiah, uh, a bit unusual, uh, you know, a little bit somber. Uh, we just saw Isaiah walk past our window naked and with no shoes on. And uh, now we're in uh, Ezekiel chapter number four. And, uh, and I'm just kind of, I can't read, can't sort of read it all. But, but verse number four, uh, God tells him, lie thou also upon thy left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days. So shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. So now we have Ezekiel uh, lying on his left side, it seems, for 390 days. Well, that's a bit unusual. It's okay, we can say that. It's a, it's a bit unusual. Uh, I, I've read uh, critiques of this from unsaved people who've read, you know, how they do it, portions of the Bible, and have just sort of railed against this. Like they, they've, they've said the stupidity of the Bible and, 
and you know they've used really bad language and that that and this is all just a nonsense. You know what? It's because they don't understand it. They don't understand it. Uh, I've I've taken to not arguing with four-year-olds because I realise that they don't really understand life, and uh, they don't they're not mature enough to understand things I understand. So why would I argue with a four with a four-year-old because their level? Some of these people are like four-year-olds. So anyway, we have Ezekiel lying on his left side, I think for 390 days. And uh, when that's done, verse number six, and when thou hast accomplished them, now that that's done, lie again on thy right side. And now he's going to lie on his right side to bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. All right, so, so I've, I've, I've gone through some snippets here of these prophets to, to, just, to just show you... Uh, some unusual things that God is doing uh, with the prophet. And I want to try to answer that to you or explain it to you or just put something on it so that maybe when these things, and you've probably, you've probably seen a bit of this, but you, you may not have identified it. You've probably seen uh, prophets in unusual uh, positions and, and you wondered about it. And I'm sure that people wondered about this. So I want to just put some, some, some understanding on that. And particularly as we think about people serving in other places and the message and the man going together. The first thought is this. If the prophet is lying on his side, it's for Israel. If the prophet is lying on his side, it's not for himself. He's doing it for Israel. We don't like to see prophets on their side any more than we like to see kings on crosses. It doesn't sort of gel with us that it should be that way. We, we, don't, we don't equate that. We don't, it doesn't sit well with us. When we see a prophet lying on his side, here's what we want to say, get up. You, you need to get up. Because our idea of the prophet is, is you know, the man in command under the anointing of God, declaring forth the word of God, that we can rally behind. That, that, that fits with us. Uh, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and they thought he was to be their king, they threw their garments down and, and everybody cried out in praise. And that, that's what people expect. But when he went to the cross, that was irreconcilable in their mind of how God would work. And so if the prophet is lying on his side, it's not for himself, it's for Israel. So, so God, is, God, is using, God is using that man and uh, what he's going through to, to do something with somebody else, to teach something, to bring about something, to, to explain something. Now, now, again, we're not comfortable seeing a prophet on his side because that, that, that to us is strange. We, we, we feel like he's weakened. We feel like he shouldn't be lying that way. Do you understand what I'm saying in type? He, he, shouldn't, he should be up. He should be strong. He should, be, he should have it all together. He should be bold under the hand of God. What's he doing laying on his side? Oh, thank God, he got up. Oh, no, he's gone down again. And now he's laying on his other side. And uh, we struggle with that because to, to see that just doesn't fit. I recall I was in a, 
uh, meeting, I'm going to say uh, possibly a, a decade ago, and uh, I, was in a, I was in a meeting with a preacher uh, who had a local church. This man is a pastor, but I believe he's also a prophet. I'm going to put him in that category. Now, I don't do that with every, I, I, and I don't do that based on the size of their church, because I know some others that have larger ministries than this large ministry, and I wouldn't put them in that category. Not that I'm the one who decides who is and who isn't, but I'm just sharing to you my observations of, uh, you know, I think that one is a prophet in the New Testament sense. So he was a man that I think was, uh, was, uh, was uh, in the category of prophet. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we were in the meeting in his church, he was up on the platform and uh, there was, uh, you know, I don't know, a large number, thousands of people in the auditorium. There was another, there was another preacher <coughs> preaching who had not preached in that church before and I would definitely put him in the category of prophet. So now we have, we have, we have one who's the preacher and I definitely put him in the category of prophet and he's preaching in the church of another one that I would put in the category of prophet also. Uh, but, but the prophet that uh, was the pastor of the church probably regarded himself as subservient to the other prophet. So a little bit, we had a, we had a little bit of a uh, Elijah, Elisha. So both prophets, but for a period of time, it was given to Elisha to pour the water for the, senior, for the senior prophet. Okay? So just understanding how God works with that. Well, I was in a meeting. I was sitting there. Uh, and what happened was up on the platform, the, 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 I think an illustration was being given. But, but the, the outworking, and it'll sound strange to you because you didn't hear all the sermon and you didn't see the illustration. But the prophet who was the pastor of that church uh, was kind of put down on the floor. And the, the older prophet... Uh, based on my evaluation, sort of had him by the, had a certain position, was holding him on the floor. And that was an illustration, I know it sounds a bit wacky, it was an illustration and, and it was kind of over in a short period of time. But I'm just saying, when I sat out there and I saw that taking place, something rose up in me that said, the prophet shouldn't be on the floor like that. It doesn't feel right to me to see him in that position. I, I, I'm disturbed at seeing him in that position. Now, he was okay, and he's not telling the story. He probably doesn't even know I think anything about it, and doesn't matter that I do. But I'm just saying what I felt when I saw that, I think that's what you would feel when you walk past Ezekiel and he's lying on his side. I think you feel the same thing, like, no, no, not you. Not, no, you, you have the anointing of God on you. You, 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 you declare things from, the, from, from God to us. You, you unravel things to us. You, you, you give us the things of God. What are you doing on your side? Get up. Oh, here, I'll help you. You can't help me. No, no, I'll help you. I'll help you to get up. I can't get up. No, no, you need to get up. I can't get up. Why can't you get up? Because God has put me on my side for now. So if the prophet is lying on his side, it's for Israel. 
It's not, it's not for him. And that's what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians when he said, we suffer these things for your sake. He said it also in Timothy. He said, we bear all these things for the elect's sake. We, I'm, we suffer these things for you. And we even give you a certain measure of consolation and comfort that we got because we did suffer these things. So, so it, is, it is the way of God that sometimes uh, he has reasons that the prophet should be on his side. And we don't always understand that, but hopefully tonight you will. And you'll realise that, well, this is not for him. This is, this is for Israel. And understand God's working that way. Sometimes God makes a prophet naked. When somebody is naked, you're seeing things that you wouldn't ordinarily see. If a prophet is naked, you've been, you, you've been given a glimpse into things that normally you wouldn't see in a person's life because it would be covered up. Okay? So normally there are certain things we cover up that we don't show everybody. But if God has a prophet naked before you, then God is showing you some things. He, the prophet is not naked for himself. And the Bible is full of naked prophets. People who, who, who God came and God said, I'm going to tell you about their family. Oh, it's a bit personal. Can we? No, no. I'm going to tell people. But do you have to, can't that stay a little bit? No, no, disrobe. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to present you naked. And, uh, and uh, not just your, your family, I'm going to, they'll know things about you. In fact, I'll see an unsavory side of you. Oh. Can't, can't you just tell them about all my good things? No, no, they need to see. David. They need to see. More than that, I'll even tell them your thoughts. Oh, no, no, this is really naked. But if the, if the prophet is naked, the prophet is not naked for himself. That's God doing that for us. It's for Israel. It's to learn something. But the problem is we fixate on the, on the fact that the prophet's naked we don't fixate on what is the message of the naked prophet, right? So we stare at his nakedness instead of saying, what does God want me to learn from the prophet's nakedness? What am I supposed to learn from that? And uh, if you can't get beyond staring at the nakedness of the prophet, then you'll never get the message of the prophet. You'll never see the, 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 the larger view here that God is actually trying to communicate a message through that. And so we have a, a, a Bible that's full of naked prophets, not in the literal sense, although Isaiah was, but, but God exposing them for, for what they did. And, and I think they're okay with it now. But, but can you see that, that, that the New Testament says that these things were examples for us? Uh, that, this, that whatsoever things are written aforetime, talking of the Old Testament, were written for our learning. So, so they were not made up stories, but what God did, he, he, he shows you some people and, uh, and sometimes what will happen is the prophet appears before you naked 
And your first response to that is, you know, I can't get over the nakedness. But if you can get over it, you can start to say, well, what does this mean? Why, why, why did Isaiah just walk past us like that? How come he's got no shoes on? And you can read it. There was a meaning to that. Now, let me ask you. Uh, in Christian ministry, as you've sat in church and if you've listened to sermons and you've been around God's people, who's helped you the most? When, you, when you've had a hard time, when you were going through something, who helped you the most? And I'm going to guess the person who helped you the most was the person who had been through great things themselves. That that was the one who turned out to understand things. That that was the one who seemed to see some things that others were not seeing. And God used that person to comfort you and to help you and to, to work in your life. But you have to understand, part of that was that he was on his side sometimes. Can you see that? So if the prophet is on his side, it's for Israel. It's, uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not for him. It's for, it's for Israel. All right? And God uses those things. Number two, number one was the, number two, though the man is a vessel, it's about a message, not just the man. All right? So kind of what I already said. You've got to look beyond the prophet and pay attention to the lesson, lesson the prophet is bringing. So, so I can remember... Uh, the initial uh, awkwardness of hearing Brother Fisher talk about his depressions and the darkness of his soul and starting to tell things where the whole church went quiet and sometimes it started to feel like I was staring at a naked prophet. But did that not greatly help many people? And does that not continue to greatly help many people? So that's an example that that you've got to get beyond that. You can, either, you can either step away from that and you can say, you know, did you just see Isaiah walk naked past our window? I, I, I did. You know, truthfully, I question his mental stability. Well, it's not many people who walk around naked like that. So your focus can either be on the man and you can be evaluating that or you can step back from that and say, okay, I have a naked prophet before me. What's the message of that? What is it that God is trying to teach me? You see, he's not, he's not that way for himself. So you have God working in these prophets, Old Testament and I think New. God working in these prophets. They're going through unusual things. Uh, they, 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 you, you find them on their side sometimes. Sometimes you see their nakedness. Uh, uh, sometimes they're in the house of mourning and you just want to say, you know, cheer up. Um, you know, can you snap out of it? But they can't snap out of it because a certain anointing has been put on them that has come from God, but it's there to help other people. So, so, so you've got to get to the message, not just the man. And let me just say again, in the church, as, that's a good, as a matter of principle, we've got to get beyond the thing of personality. We've got, we've got to stop evaluating people based on do we just like them? It's okay, you do like some people more than others. We all do. It's okay. But it's not a criteria to determine a man's worthiness or effectiveness or the hand of God on him. Do you understand that? Uh, a, a pastor said to me on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, uh, briefly, just chatting, 
said, uh, what, what, what do you think, Brother Shemish, what do you, an Australian pastor, what do you think we should be doing as pastors to help our situation in Australia, as independent Baptist pastors? And I said, look, I, what I think is we need to uh, just care for each other more. We need to get over personality. Now I was talking to leaders. We need to get over personality uh, differences and, and just show care and love for each other. That would be the best thing to, to glue us back together again. I said, we're not the Americans. They had a civil war. They killed their own brothers. Okay? More people died in the American Civil War than uh, Americans than died in World War I and World War II together. They slew more of their own. So they're given to that. Well, I'm just, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying some people are more prone to, to that. But listen, this is Australia, and uh, that's not our way. And I understand they're not in a civil war now, but there's kind of culture wars going on. You see what I'm saying? But that's not us. We, 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 we don't need to be that way. We, we need to stay together. We, we need to be mature and get beyond personality and... And get beyond some of the stuff that others want to, uh, you know, start a war over, and say, "Look, I'm not going to. F- this is my brother. This is my brother. Okay. And and this is Australia. And and I think we need maturity has to lead us to that place. Many people leave churches. They didn't leave over doctrine. No, they didn't. They didn't leave over, you know, someone using a perverted version of the Bible that misses half the verses. They didn't leave over that. Many, many times it just comes down to nothing more than a butting head of just personalities or relationships. And there ought to be a maturity that can get us beyond that. That's what I'm saying. For the sake of Christ. For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of witness in Australia. As Pastor Lloyd has said many times, we, we don't need less churches. We don't need less pastors. We need, we need, we need more than that. So, so we've, got to, we've got to get beyond that. And then number three as we finish, and turn to 2 Kings chapter 13. I love this passage. I used to preach on it as much as I could. I love these sort of quirky things, you know, that God, they're not, I mean, I just call them quirky, but they just sort of get dropped in somewhere and people speed read over them in their Bible reading and think, I don't know what that was, but God has put them in there and they have a lesson and a purpose. And, uh, and so I'll give you point number three, then I'll do the reading. Point number three is this, the prophet will pass away, but the lesson of the prophet endures. So, so the, the prophet will, one day the prophet will go. We've lost a number of them already. Uh, but what they taught and that which they proclaimed and the lessons. We, we look back now over these prophets that, that they're not alive uh, in the sense of with us, but their message is enduring. They, they, they continue to minister to us. Uh, we still preach on their life and the things that happen to them. We draw lessons from it. And that also is happening in a, you know, in, in, to an extent, uh, even to this day. The prophet will pass away, but the lesson of the prophet endures. 2 Kings chapter number 13, verse number uh, 20 and 21. It's always good when the whole, the whole story has two verses, isn't it? It's pretty easy to, to read that. 
And, and uh, Elisha died uh, and they buried him. And the band of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Wasn't that, that's a smashing good two verses, I reckon. I, I really like that. That's, that's, that's the classic understatements of God, you know. And this and this and this, and he stood up. And, you know, he just, he just became alive again. Okay, so the, the lesson of that, what's, what's that doing in there? The lesson is that Elisha was dead and gone. How, how, how far gone was he? He was bones. He was bones. But when they let a dead man down, okay, what happened was they were burying someone. They spied a band of Moabites in, in a rush. They didn't have a lot of time. It's got, let's just dump him here. You know, let's just, let's just get him in here and get out of here. But when they, when they lowered him down and uh, he touched the bones of Elisha, you know, he, was, he, he became alive. So it's, it's miraculous. It's God. Well, why did God do that? Here's what God was saying. Elisha is gone, but the power that was on Elisha is not gone. Elisha is bones, but the message of Elisha and the God of Elisha is still very much alive. And that's what that was illustrating, that, that the life is still there. The power is still there because it's not Elisha, it was God. So, so uh, you know, the prophets will pass away. But the lessons of the prophets is what we need to hold on to. And we need to remember those things. I've seen a number of our prophets pass away. And uh, and they're they're not just readily replaced. I don't think there's many around. I don't think there's many in our, you know, what do you want to say, our circles, our connections. I think the one I told you, the Pentecostal, I'm not sure if he's gone now too. But, uh, but there's not many. But uh, they're given to us, to the body of Christ. They're a gift from God to the body of Christ. And sometimes you might find them laying on their side. And, you, and sometimes you might find they're a little bit exposed. But all of that is for Israel. It's not just for them. All right? I hope that makes sense. Pastor, God bless you.